0: Is speaking so loud right now. Um, to not listen, to not hear, is to not listen. And so we've been in this kind of a little series on the, the power of placement. But in order to really um, discover placement, you have to discover the areas of your life where there has been misplacement of something. And uh, sometimes we, it takes us a while to wake up, to, um, you know, wouldn't it be disappointing if we came here for the vision service and we got up here and went, got nothing, you know? And uh, that can be a negative and a positive. Maybe that's a positive in the sense that we're we're being directed totally by God. Of course, we got something, but I'm just saying that. Um, so it, it I think we're in a, a very vital place as a church, as a body, as a community where we are, We're more hungry hungry for the leading of the Spirit than we are of just going through the motions of giving you something to chew on. You know what I mean? We're we're so, as our leadership and our staff, we're trying to get out of the mode of just having to produce something to give you versus just waiting on the Spirit and saying, hey, where are you leading us into this next season where we're at? So I had a couple thoughts this week in my prayer time. The first one is this. The church is breaking out of an audience mentality and also out of the prophetic entertainment business. Okay, that's the first one. These are just some thoughts. We're shifting from needing a person to lift us into a spiritual place and even based spirituality events. We're coming back to a first personal empowerment of the spirit, individual, individual engagement with the Holy Spirit. And I, I think we, we've, we've come to, we, the church can evolve into a place where we're so dependent on somebody else for our, our spiritual transformation that we, we exclude the power of our own intimate encounter with the Holy Spirit. You know, when the Bible talks about He'll send us the comforter and he will guide you into all truth, he was talking about you. He was talking about me. And so the farther we get away from that, uh, the farther we get away from being able to have personal truth for our own life because you're always living from somebody else's revelation. And that's good. But personal revelation is way more powerful than secondhand revelation from somebody who's already personally encountered it. Transformational uh, identity in your life is meant to be shaped by divine personal individual encounter. It, it, I can give you an aspect of that, I can give you a seed. To that, But you still have to plant it, you still have to water it, you still have to produce it. And so, we're leaving that. Here's another thought. We are in a season of awakened passion for God, which is more important than personalities. Let me say it again. We are being awakened in a passion for God, which is more important than personalities. And we don't think that affects us, but... What do you think when you're coming to church and I wonder who's preaching tonight? I wonder how long the worship's gonna be. I wonder who's leading worship. You know what that's called? That's called personality-driven Christianity. Right? I've heard this today. We've been walking, but it's time to run. I wanna finish with this. We're going to have to learn to say yes quicker to the spirit than we ever have before. And sometimes an agreement with Jesus in areas that we're going to have to shift means we have to come in disagreement with the other areas that are presently there. And so we are truly in a place of replacement truth. We're living in a place of replacement truth. Not all of our truth is bad. Don't ever, you know, say, Pastor, get up and said, you know. But I I know this, you know, me and Darlene talk about our encounter over the last couple years. And I tell, we used to say this all the time, and Darlene will testify to this, I'd say to her in this awakening season we're in, I'd say, Sometimes I don't even feel like I'm saved. Like, was I ever saved? Was I ever a Christian? Like like both of us would look at each other and go, like, Had <laughs> we missed that? You know? And so sometimes religion can be so blinding that that it, it leads you into this place where things that are supposed to be important in your life get out of place. And we miss the value of them, and we put them over here when they're supposed to be up here, and what happens is we live way in a less experience of what God has designed for us to live in. And so the more we get into the Word, the more we discover the value of this, and, and tonight I'm, I'm going to be talking a little bit about misplaced worship, and I've preached a lot on worship over the years. When I go away, worship leaders, we visit a church, worship leaders, are kind of they kind of gravitate to you if they know you've been a worship leader at some point. Uh, If you've been involved with any kind of revival, they just want to know, you know, what's the secret? And there really is no secret. It's just defining what worship really looks like. And so um, I've had so much fun uh, the last couple of weeks, probably about a month and a half, dissecting for myself the rediscovery of worship. I I really have. And, uh, you know, it's important that we're able to define uh, worship as much as we can because uh, if we don't define it, we'll never truly understand the value of it. We'll never comprehend the placement of it, the importance of its placement. And worship is some key, and I hate to say it this way, worship is a key fertilizer to the the shifting of your mentality and also the the establishment of growing a proper identity in you. It has that kind of power. Uh, and if you haven't been here over this, these these three truths empower one another. Your mind, your identity, and worship are a triune truth that leads you into divine encounters with the Godhead. That means you come into a, a fullness and experience in Him. And I, I think, you know, the Lord's constantly telling me, you know, stop talking down to who I've called you to be. And let me just say this who He's called me to be is not on stage. He's not talking about on stage who I called you to be and the doors I'm going to open to you and the ministries I'm going to do. That's not what he's talking to me about. He's talking to me about who I've just called you to be as a son because only when you live in that place do you really have rest and peace and joy and all those things that the Spirit talks about that sometimes we have a hard time finding. It comes from sonship. So worship does that. And when it becomes misplaced, it, when it's not in its right focus these three things uh, the mindset the identity and the worship they are triune in transformation let me put it that way they're triune in transformation they work together they are oneness that's what that's what triune means the trinity it represents the fullness of god so they they are they work together to bring this full transformation if you have and listen they're equal you you can't have a healthy mentality of identity and, and uh, or a healthy identity without a healthy mentality, without a healthy worship. They work together, they produce something great. It's like the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have them all. And having that positional place is so important in our lives. And so God is just kind of waking us up to, to some things, you know, misplaced, the word misplaced means to put in a wrong or appropriate place. It means to set on a wrong object. It, it's actually a focus. I I really feel like our lens is shifting again. I preached for a while there about a lens shift because I was having such a lens shift in my own life. We are really into a real focus issue right now where we're starting to see things that stir a particular emotions within our being. It affects us mentally and physically. It it creates something in our feelings, our actions begin to be shifted because we're, we're now adjusting to something that we've never saw before. And a lot of the truth that you have right now is great truth, but and God's not removing that truth, but what he is doing is he's expanding it. He's saying, you saw grace like this, but what if grace looks like this? You saw peace like this, what if peace looks like this? You saw healing like this, what if healing looks like this? I, I, I You know, we talk about not being striving people, not being people that are are constantly trying to work things up. But I find sometimes in ministry for years, we, we, we do that. We try to work. We try to strive to get worship going. We try to strive to get people healed and strive to walk in deliverance and all these things. It becomes really organic and really easy if we get to the place where we develop a property, a properly mindset, uh, a, a proper worship, and a proper identity. So this is just not nuggets, This is a life-changing transformational truth. There is so much prophetic utterances coming from your leaders right now in this house, from the fivefold that's in this house. It's amazing. And listen to this. Just because they're not saying, thus saith the Lord, doesn't mean it's not prophetic. And just because they're not calling somebody out and giving them a word, doesn't mean that it's not prophetic for the house. The whole Bible's prophetic, from Genesis to Revelation. Jesus is prophetic, the Holy Spirit is prophetic. So if we have them in us, it's just natural that we become prophetic. We're prophetic people. And so, you know, we misplace all things all the time. I, you know, I was uh, I got thinking about the other day, I lost my key the other day, I was walking around the house, and I got thinking, you know what? I think I, I need to develop an app that will help me find my keys. And then I thought, well, I lose my phone as much as I lose my keys. (laughs) So, I may have to hire somebody just to walk around with me and carry my keys. Or buy a chihuahua and put a little phone pack on his back and a little leash and take him with me everywhere I go. So, it's not uncommon for us to get things out of balance. Work, relationships, intimacy, marriage, children, all this stuff that we have to deal with in life. It's easy to get things at a misplace. And sometimes in the kingdom, listen to this, we don't lose truth. We just misplace it. What do you mean by misplacing? We just put it in the wrong place. It's not positioned right. You realize there's only one head to the church, right? And it's Christ. That's the real head. You understand that, right? Everything else under that's great, but there's really only one head to the church. And so God's getting us back into this place of oneness. And I just felt like the Lord said, hey, Jamie, there's some misplaced areas in your life that I want you to redefine this year. Uh, one is mindset, one is worship, one is identity. And he took me to Acts 17, and I'm going to read this for you, So, and then we're going to jump into this. There's so much here. I'm, 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 you're going to see me flipping through, trying to be led, what I need to give you, what I don't need to give you. Um, this is Acts 17, and I'm going to read this. But they'll put the last verse up there. This, I don't think they may not. They may have this. Um, and this is out of the Passion Translation. It said, he supplies life and breath and all things to every living being. What a way to start a portion of Scripture that's about to deal with who you are and what that looks like, right? He doesn't lack a thing that we mortals could supply for him. For he has all things and everything he needs. From one man, Adam, he made every man and woman in every race of humanity. And he spared us, he spread us, sorry, over all the earth. He sets the boundaries of people and nations, determining their appointed times in history. Let me just stop there. This is your time. This here is not an accident. It's not because a couple of people said, "I don't want to be in religion anymore. I don't want to be in a denomination." This, 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 this is this is our appointed time. That was one person said yes. Everybody else said, "What? This is our appointed time. This is our moment of experience." Watch, he spread us all over the earth. He set the boundaries of people and nations, determining their appointed at times in history. Now watch the reason he has done this. He has done this so that every person would long for God, feel their way to him, and find him. Now watch this last line. For he is the God who is easily what? Discovered. Now how many of you have had conversation... Where it's like, I'm just not hearing God. I don't know why I just can't get over this. I don't know why I'm still having to have this battle. It's just like I just can't see God in anything. It's like my worship just bounces off the ceiling. It's like my prayers are not heard. Am I touching any of those with anybody? Maybe I have to have a pastor to hear that. I don't know. But I've been in this place myself. I've complicated the simplicity of intimate relationship and what it looks like with my Savior. Now, I just read verses 25 to 27. Now, let me give you the value verse to all of these verses. Here's the value of that. Verse 28, it's through or in Him that we live and function and have have our identity. Let me go back because the word through and in is... It means breath face to face. As you breathe, he breathes life into you. As you breathe, he breathes life into you. Your carbon monoxide goes out and his oxygen comes in. That's how deep this is. That's how deep the priority of him is. And him for you right now is the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna read some scriptures here in a moment and show you that. There is no transformation without an intimate, in-depth encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit that resides in you. Jesus walked with his disciples. When he left, he said, you're not going to be walking with me anymore, but I'm going to send you some other guy. He's going to comfort you. He's going to guide you into truth. He's going to point and talk to you about the Father. He's going to remind you of who I was, and you're going to have be able to walk in your discipleship Probably, in a most likely, in a greater way than even his disciples walked in. That's why Jesus said, greater things than these shall ye do. And he said this, do not leave that upper room until you experience the fullness of the Holy Ghost. And we have to get back to walking in the Spirit if we don't want to live and try to survive in the Spirit of the flesh. Your mind, your will, your heart, your emotions, your worship needs to be surrendered to the Holy Spirit. That's our problem. Our problem is is we just don't want to give up. We have this place that we've built to establish for so long, and it's so comfortable. It's just comfortable to be able to depend on somebody else for our spirituality. It's comfortable to only pray when you really have a need. It's comfortable to just worship once in a while. It's just these these comfortable places, right? And we think that this out here can coexist with this over here. There is no coexisting in the kingdom. The Bible says, the original translation says, in him, we live, we move, we exist. We do not coexist. We don't coexist with the dead guy. We don't coexist with money. We don't coexist with. With lust, we don't, we don't coexist. I mean, Jesus was radical. He said stuff that in one small sermon, hundreds of people can get up and said, forget this. You would eat my flesh, drink my blood. I'm out. You got to hate your mother, your father, your brother, and your sister if you're going to, I'm out. What was, he, what was he doing? He was defining value. He was defining choice. He was defined. He's not against you loving your father, your mother, your brother, your sister. He's not even against you loving yourself. I think it's important that you love yourself. He's just against you loving them more than him. Right? It's just defining value. So you have to ask yourself, so in him, am I really living, moving, having my being? Is that what life looks like for me? That statement in him means who was, who is, and who is to come. But the thing about it is, it's in you who was, who is, and who is to come. Because he will guide you into all truth, the Spirit, and show you what is coming in you. This is a powerful scripture. To live means a lifestyle in this verse. It's a design, his design for living, not our design for living. What if you could take everything that you have now that you've put up here, okay? You got them lined up, right? They're okay. There's nothing wrong with them in and of themselves, right? But what if you could take all of those like this, right? Scoop them down here, put him up here, and put all of those up under him. What do you think would happen? You think you're blessed now. your problems not just your finances your problems your your blessings your increase all the good stuff all the crappy stuff it's all about focus it's all about placement he said when we get to this place where we start to live in him all of a sudden we start to live this lifestyle that he's designed for us to live and we start functioning in that lifestyle that actual lifestyle feeds, it creates momentum in us. What kind of momentum? It's a momentum to discover him more. And what happens when we discover him more? All of a sudden, we start to discover our identity. We start to see him for who he is, and he starts to show us who we are in him. It's the most beautiful, simplistic, transformational cycle that we've made so hard, but yet we were created, go a verse back, so we could find him real easy, real easy. It's placement. Placement means to assign something or someone in a position of different or higher than another. It's the idea of giving someone or something its suitable place. So we're in a place of placement, priority, and position. Here's what's really cool about this. You already have everything you need. So there's no striving. There's no works. But guess what there is? There's this little word called choice. Choice. We just have to make simple choices. You ever travel anywhere where you need a map? Do you look at the map and go, wait a minute now. Wait a minute. I'm not following that map. You ever been so arrogant? Say to your wife, I know where I'm going, put that thing away. Now we have phones that we're so terrible at following maps they had to come out with a device on your phone that actually talks to you. Turn here. Turn here. Now, to me, it's not rocket science that I'm not dishonoring that thing, but when when my, you know, Google Maps says to me, make a left in 1.3 miles, to be disobedient to that means I am now going the wrong way. The the phone doesn't release a charge into my body like, "Ah," you know, you should have made a left. There's none of that. There's no punishment involved. There's no. There, it's not a disconnection on my phone's part. It's a disconnection on my part, simply because, I, for some reason, we we want we want doctrines that remove the the ability and responsibility of obedience. Any truth that you don't become obedient to, causes you to miss the upgrade in the identity, mindset, and worship that God is calling you to. It's never on his end. At some point, folks, we got to take responsibility for our own spirituality. Spirituality. You guys are fun. <laughs> now, listen to this. I, I love this verse in, in John 16, uh, 13. Jesus said, I'm going to send you a comforter. A comforter. A comforter. A comforter. A comforter. My gosh. Where's my coffee? Is it over there? Get Grab it there, right there. Don't throw it, but just kind of hand it to me. Not really coffee. No, it's really coffee. I just thought I messed with you. So, um, (laughs) hold on. Anybody got some sign and stuff going around? Make it dry. So, John 16, 13, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, and he's talking about a suitable place in this verse. He says, I'm going to send you the comfort. He will guide you into all truth and show you things to come. Now, the mirror says this. Uh, He's going to show you the things that are happening in you, from a heavenly perspective. So watch this. We, we take this word, and, and I'm okay with the translation of it. The translation is he'll show you prophetically what's coming. Now watch this. This word prophetically in here is not the normal Greek or Aramaic word that we use in prophecy and the prophetic, okay? It's er-komehi, er-komehi. This is what this word means. So he's gonna give you truth, and show you things to come or prophetically show you what's coming, ericamehi means he's going to cause you to grow. He's going to call you to come. He's going to call you to enter into a place. This word, he'll guide you into all truth and show you prophetically what's coming, does not mean he's going to show you all the evil that's happening in the world. This verse is actually written to the individual believer. I will send another. He's a comforter. He will guide you into all truth, and he will show you prophetically what's coming. For who? For you. This verse is actually an invitation into a deeper identity that you can have when you put the Holy Spirit in the proper placement of your life. Can you imagine if we walked in the Spirit? I think the Bible says that somewhere. Were you engaged with the Holy Spirit constantly? Pastor, that sounds so much like work. Why? It's not with my wife. It's not with my kids. Noah's coming over. Oh, gosh, my Lord, why? He talks so much, Father. Oh, God, he's so loud. It's not work. It's called relationship. It's to be in tune. Right? Remember when we didn't have cell phones? I remember when I first started ministry, we didn't even have beepers. I remember having a beeper when I first went to Calhoun. It was like, and I had to find a phone booth somewhere. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> you know what I mean? Now it's like it's a no-brainer. This is the spirit's way better than your cell phone. He's always on. He's always ready to engage. And we constantly are looking to things. Sometimes I feel I've done this. I've taught so many things, and I look back now, and I've listened to sermons. Not everything I, I preached is wrong. Somebody said I talked to somebody that you know I knew a while ago, and they were talking about. Well, you know. You're different now. You used to say, but now you say, and i said, yeah, that's great. That's cool, isn't it? Well, not really because you used to say this. I said, so what what are you saying? We never grow? We never move from one truth into another? That's a terrible concept. Because if you have a terrible Christian walk, surely you're not satisfied with that right now. Surely if, if you need a healing, you'd like to be able to tap into that. Or, if your kids need demons cast out, you may want to tap into that. That's important. There's a lot of things we want to tap into. The mirror translation of John 16, 13 says this The things that are about to happen in you are from a heavenly perspective. That's the power of the Spirit. Noah's taught this, and I love it. And it's such a truth. You know, we take scriptures like 1 Corinthians 15 and 31. Paul says, I die daily. And we make that look like, listen, you can't have a free dead old man revelation if you're gonna carry the revelation of I die daily. You can't be free from the old man if you're constantly saying the old man has to die. Let me read this for you. I think I got it. I got so many stickers in here. Hmm. Corinthians, I think I got it. This is from the Passion Translation. This is how bold it is. But you know what we do? We preach you gotta die daily because we don't have the revelation to, get, to give you how to stop living that way. We haven't discovered it, so we can't give it. But we're coming into a... A community, I hate the word culture, come into a community. We're coming into a community and a fellowship right now that is so shifting that leaders are starting to get hungry because they don't even like where they're at. And it's empowering them to empower you to move into this place of hunger and desire for God where the only thing you have to do is say yes to the directions. How easy is that? Here's what he says. Uh, he says, um, he's talking about, you know, his death. He's talking about putting his life. He says, my brothers and sisters, he's talking about dying. He says, if there's no resurrection, what do these people think they're doing when they are baptized for the dead? If they, if they are, if the dead aren't raised, why be baptized for them? And why would we be risking our lives every day? This is Paul. This is where this scripture comes from. Watch this scripture. My brothers and sisters, I continually face death every day. So here's what he's saying. I'm out there preaching for the gospel. I have this belief in the resurrection because of what Jesus has done and the death and the resurrection of the Christ from the dead. And here I am. The reason I don't care about the risk, he's not saying I'm dying daily I am just struggling. Paul's not saying, I'm struggling with ministry. I've got so much stuff going on up here, I just can't. I'm dying daily up here, folks. That's not what he's saying. Surely Paul is more powerful than that. If he's not, why are we reading his writings? right? (laughs) Here's what he's saying, that we can arrange truth and other things in our life that are incorrectly in a wrong place. They're insuitable. They don't fit. And we've been, and and I've been, we've been, we've all experienced truth through our religious lifestyle, the things we've been involved in that have affect our life function and identity in such a terrible way that we're still living with the mentality, how do I get free from this? Well, listen to this. We're still blaming it on the old man who is in the grave. Death cannot be upgraded. And if you're seated with God in heavenly places, there is no death. There is no dead. There is no old man there. You get that right. We have to learn to stop talking like the old man, because it's a choice. Praying like the old man, living like the old man. There has to be an adjustment. I'll say this again. I'm going to keep saying this statement for years until you catch it and get it. Believing differently, not trying harder is the key to identity. Believing differently, not trying harder is the key to identity. And the only way you can believe differently is by tuning up your intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Why? Why? Because it's He that guides you into all truth and shows you what that truth looks like in you in the future. You know what that glimpse is, right? It's like, oh my gosh, what a powerful truth. You mean, Lord? You mean, Lord, right now, if I choose this truth, that's what it's going to look like for me out there? I'm all in. possibility of having all your prayers answered, I'm all in. Of every sick person you pray for being healed, I'm all in. Nothing in your life can be greater than the realities of the king and his kingdom. And sometimes we allow things, especially when it comes to placement, especially when it comes to your worship. So worship is powerful. Let me just say this and we're gonna move. But the things in your life and my life that we give place of value to is actually what we give power to in our life. So whatever, whatever in your life that you've put up here and here and here above certain things, that's what you're releasing your power to the only way to disempower those things is you have to replace them with something of greater value. That's the only way you can do it. There has to be a discovery of something different. Let me just say this. Value is what you consider to be of the greatest worth in your life. My value may be different than your value. This is the ultimate value, not the book, the person. We all have values. So your value is what you place the most importance or the greatest worth on. You get it? So having a renewed mind... Romans chapter 12, verse 2, is literally talking about having Philippians 2 and 5, the mind of Christ. They, They go hand in hand. What happens is it gives you a different language, thoughts, it shapes your worship different, gives you a different identity, gives you a different understanding, gives you a different outlook. But it all comes with a lifestyle where we are engaging with the Holy Spirit. Once again, any truth that is not practiced... I'm not talking about works. That is not practice, denies God the right of the upgrade. You miss the experiences with his nature, which in turn is meant to change your nature. Your outlook is so simple, but it's so powerful. And if you have a legalistic mindset, you're just spending all your, trying, all your time trying to improve the old mindset what a waste of energy. It actually creates an instability. James 1, James talks about it. You know, the whole book of James deals with the Messianic Jew, and the Messianic Jews are having a battle with the, these, these religious Jews, and James steps in because some of these Messianic Jews are starting to shift a little bit. And they're going like, yeah, that's true, but, you know, these guys, no, 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 they can't coexist. He says, when that happens in your brain, you become a man of two thoughts, two processes, and don't think that it does anything for you. The reason they can exist, he says, is because they make you unstable in everything you think, ask. And he says this, don't let any person think for a minute that your prayers will be answered. Why? Because it robs you from the wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit. It robs you from the guidance it robs you from his influence. The Holy Spirit, listen, is always pulling you into a greater place. He's always giving you transforming truth. That, that's his function. He just, he's, he never, he's never stopped pulling you into growth. Even if it's the most warm, sweetest encounter, it's always a revelation of the Father heart of God. It's always a revelation of Jesus. He's always moving you in. Some of us have had incredible encounters with the Holy Spirit. I can look through this room and see some of you that have gone through the school that have had incredible encounters at school and at events and at teachings. And I'm just wondering how much transformation did that carry and how long did it last? We have to stop living for experience We have to stop living for gifts. All that stuff organically happens when the person that's supposed to be at the head is in the right place. I'm going to tell you right now you want to be the most gifted, most powerful person on the planet? Go after the Holy Spirit. Let him have your ear, let him have your heart, let him have your mind. Get get into a closet. Say, Holy Spirit, I am here. I I'm coming to engage. I'm releasing my mind. I'm releasing my identity. I'm, I'm surrendering my worship to you. When you do that, all of a sudden, what happens is you begin to experience the fullness of the identity, worship, and mentality that God wants you to walk in. And it's so fun. I love hearing stuff I've never heard before. So what is worship? We have to define it. So here's a great verse, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Now watch this. Beloved friends, what should be our proper response to God's marvelous mercies? Okay, now let me just tell you this. For Paul to write this, there must have been some people that were giving improper responses to God's goodness and mercy. For Paul to have to say, hey, Roman church, let me just tell you what the proper response looks like because you guys really messed it up. You've got some things in the wrong place. Right? Response to God's marvelous. To surrender yourselves to God to be a sacred or his sacred living sacrifice. So sacred, we know, means dedicated, devoted, set apart. Living is a lifestyle. But listen to the definition of sacrifice. This rocked me so hard this week. This one simple little nugget rocked my foundation. Because when you hear sacrifice, what do you think? Death. The word sacrifice here in the Aramaic, in the Greek, you know what what it means? It means touched by fire. Now, listen, Matthew 3 and 11, Luke 3 and 16 says, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with Acts 2 and 3 says, and at all at once a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire and engulfed each one of them. What about if our sacrifice is just surrendering ourselves to an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. Watch this now. Watch. He goes and live in holiness. We're already holy. We know that according to Romans eleven sixteen, 16, Ephesians 1 and 4. Experiencing all that delights his heart. For this becomes your genuine worship. Are you getting it? So, watch this. He's establishing this intimate encounter of worship with the Holy Spirit. Here's my question What do you have to sacrifice in placement for the Holy Spirit to have that rule in your life? You know, it starts with worship, right? Worship is not taught. experienced. Now, watch verse 2. This is what I want you to see. Verse 2, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. Now, I had to ask myself this question this week. Am I chasing culture or am I chasing truth? How often do we compare ourselves as a body to, oh, we're just like Bethel. We're just like so-and-so. And I'm not against any of those. Let me ask you, are we after a culture here or are we after the truth? So Let me give you a definition of the word culture. Ready? Culture the set of shared attitudes, values, goals, and practices that are characterized in an institution or an organization. The customary beliefs, social forms, and material traits of a racial, religious, or social group, that's culture. You know what that sounds like to me? sounds like religion. Anybody else feel that when I read that? Now, now, listen, hey, you hear us touch about culture. That's one thing. Yeah, because, because the lingo of where we go sometimes is a lingo that we carry. So we want to be in a culture. We like that worship, so we want to join that form of worship. We like that truth, so we want to form that, that, that portion of truth. But until we actually start getting to a place where we're saying, okay, Holy Spirit, who are we? Who am I? I'm not against... Worship. I'm not against this stuff that, that they're doing. I just think we call ourselves and we're so busy chasing the wrong thing that we've never fully engaged with the Holy Spirit to actually discover who I am. You know what happens when you, when you develop this kind of mindset? What happens is you do worship like these guys. You set your service up like these guys. Right. All of us have been a part of cultures. We, 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 we just shift from culture to culture. So we've come up in the culture, well, what type of preaching do I like? How long long do I like my service to be? Well, I don't really like that kind of worship. It's hard for me to get into worship because that worship is not the kind of worship that I like. There's a Greek word for that. It's called baloney. Yep. <laughs> I don't like that song. We got all this. We we We're we, we not, we could care less about the Holy Spirit. We are so busy defining the culture that we want to be in that it didn't matter if God showed up and healed 50 people in the house. Some people wouldn't even be touched or shaken by it. It's the core of the demonic entity of the spirit of religion. And our transformation is not demonic. It can be, if you've opened that door, but it's not demonic. It's not because we can't be who God says we are. It's not because we're not who God says we are. It's simply because we're not making the right choices. And we're putting things in our life here that God said, that throne seat has been reserved for the Holy Spirit, and you can't do life without him. You can't experience the king and the kingdom without him. You can't walk out your journey and discover who you are without him. When we get to that place, all these other things, all these other gifts will just organically begin to happen. You know, when, when you feel like when you see somebody and you feel the Lord saying, I want you to pray for that person to be healed. First thing we do is go, okay, what am I supposed to say? Uh, let me go back in my prayers. So I prayed before when people were healed and see what's going on here. See, see if I can find, how does so-and-so pray? I wonder how so-and-so would pray over this situation instead of saying, okay, Holy Spirit, what's this look like? I think it kind of threw the room into a little bit of confusion with Smith Wigglesworth punched the guy in the stomach who had the tumor and he died but then he was resurrected. There's things in our life that that we just, and what does that look like? It just means, if you look at our spiritual fathers, our founding fathers, people that experienced stuff that we're not even experiencing, this was their foundation. It was God-focused. It was spirit-led. worship leads us into this place of intimacy worship is actually response to who he is your level of worship actually displays your level of your experience with him and worship is not listen the same way love is not only for christmas day worship is not just for sunday worship is a lifestyle It's something that we're meant to walk in. It's something that we live mentally. It's something that we live in our identity. Notice these two verses, verse 1 and 2, that the first verse in Romans 12 deals with sacrificial worship, and it goes right into and saying, well, this is how your mind is renewed. Stop connecting to the ideals and concepts of the cultures around you. Engage in worship and watch worship empower you into a renewal of the mind process. At home, be a worshiper. At work, be a worshiper. Driving in your car, be a worshiper. And all of a sudden, you'll find your mind will start to shift. You'll start seeing yourself where you're actually seated in the heavenlies with the spirit, with the presence of God, and revelation will start to transform you and identity will begin to grow and develop. Three of them will begin to function. And it's hard to preach this kind of message because if, if you come from any kind of works, it feels like work, but it's not actually work. It's called marriage. Covenant. I, I, I stopped starting premarital counseling with, whew, wow, you know marriage is rough, right? It's gonna be really tough for the first three years. If you make it, That's kind of disappointing, right? If you went to a marriage counselor and he said, You know, I've been listening to you. I really, I got nothing. It's not good. I I you know, it's it's like getting a terrible report from the doctor. You may not make it for the next couple of months. You got a couple of months left, that's it. You might as well just sign the papers. It'd be terrible. And so when we start having this identity to surrender ourselves, to the genuineness of worship. See, worship is, is, is an inside job. Everything's an inside job first. See, the power of your engagement with the Holy Spirit is the transformation of who you were on the inside. And listen, everybody look at me for a moment. You ready? You know, this can happen in a week. As we have this perception that how long do I have to do this? All I can tell you is this, is when you start doing this and you start experiencing the love of the Father, you start to crave this. It's like leaving the house in the morning to go to work and for getting you to put your pants on. It's just not normal for you not to spend time with him or in the day. It's like something's missing from your life. It really is. He said, this has to be your genuine worship. When that happens, inward transformation of the mind comes. And then you discover God's perfect will for your life. Romans 12 and 2 says in the Amplified. The perfect thing for you. There nothing happens corporately without first happening individually. If if, if what you think the love is going to become an encounter is resting on five people in leadership, is coming from that, we we can take a couple of steps, but I hope you realize where we're going is a corporate encounter. All hands on deck. And all we're asking you to do is engage with the Holy Spirit. We shouldn't have to preach on serving. You get close to Jesus, he comes to serve. You just take on his heart. Huh? Well, we shouldn't have to say, hey, you should be giving. You know, Jesus, giving should be simple. We shouldn't have to target. Jesus wants all. And worship is gonna be one of the great challenges that you are going to face in your identity. Because sometimes we go through some stuff and it's hard to worship. Can I get an amen? That's when you push by faith. Worship is actually an act of faith. Right, push in. Right? So, Lord, right now I'm gonna worship you, and then joy comes. And then I can count every tribulation with joy. Why? Because I know the end result now. In the spit, in the place of the spirit, God can reveal the outcome. Just a choice. Right? He's there. Put the keys in, turn the ignition, take them with you for a run. mirror says it's like this. Live consistently with who you really are, inspired by the loving kindness of God. My brothers, the most practical expression of worship is to make your bodies available to him as a living sacrifice. This pleases him more than any religious routine. He desires to find visible, individual expression in your person. That's the same verse that I just read you out of Romans. Individual expression, the word expression here is worship. It has to do with being. Vocal intonation is the word. Here's what it means. An utterance, a voice, a chanting, a speech. It's that constant lifestyle of worship. I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father. In your person, all the time, looking for that. It's a lifestyle we live in. It, it's something that we we have to breathe into and get a hold of. Now, I want to I share a story, and we're going to close. And this is, and I'm skipping a lot. I just want you to know, but that's, that's okay. But I don't want to share this. So... Uh, internal atmosphere affects your external atmosphere, okay? So, and I've, I've, you know, I've preached a lot on these scriptures, but I've never seen it this way. So, in Mark chapter 4, thir- 35 to 41, and in Matthew chapter 14, 22 to 32, we see the two storms, the two major physical, you know, ocean you know certainty of death drowning sinking storms we see them they're interesting storms and so in the first storm we see the disciples are in a storm and and they're on the lake gennesaret okay now listen this this lake this word gennesaret here in the greek listen to this <laughs> listen in the greek it means harp it means worship So listen to this. They're in a storm and they're about to confront an atmosphere where they're invited into worship. It's freaky, right? So let me tell you what Jesus is doing. I don't know if you've ever been on a boat and been in a storm. I've been on ships fishing when I got out of high school. I mean, I've been on some rough waters. I mean, where you're in bed, on your shift, and you'll hit a wave it will throw you right out of the bunk. Uh, my brother's been on boats where waves had hit and stripped the boat like it was being ready for paint. All the life, uh, all the life, you know, uh, boats, all the radar gear, everything was stripped off the boat by one wave. I've been in storms. Of course, I wasn't a Christian. I've been in storms where I get saved and throw all my dope overboard and and all everything I had that was bad and repent and then buy more when I got to shore, of course. But, um, but I've been in those types of storms where you literally feel like, okay, I'm not making this. This is it for me. And those storms will affect your focus. Those are the types of storms where you got this in front of you and you can't take your eyes off it. You look this way and you go, oh, I can still see this stinking thing in the corner of my eye. You can't avoid it. Everywhere you look, it's just wave after wave. What are you going to do with that? This is, the, this is where they're at. Matthew 14, we see another storm, Sea of Galilee. Galilee means circle. Now, Galilee is special to Jesus. Why? Galilee is where he performed his first miracle. Which was at a wedding. Galilee means to dance, right? So Jesus is in the, in the you know front of the boat and he's napping, listening to the Doobie Brothers, and and this storm shows up, right? And and he's kind of, yeah. He's not even paying attention to the storm; he's doobieing it. That's the modern version, right? He's asleep. I mean, he's just laying in front of the boat. He'd care less. And here they are in this storm. And this is the first place that Jesus did the the wine at the wedding. And he's again, he's given them this opportunity to engage, he's trying to get them to shift their focus so that they're not looking at something and hearing something different, but they're looking at something and hearing something that's not of this world, that's not connected to the circumstances. And he's trying to get them to engage at a level of worship because worship and faith, listen to this, worship will energize your faith. Faith will energize your worship. But it begins with focus. He's actually challenging the internal reference they have. All this is going on, and then here comes Peter. I love this story so much. We always beat Peter up. I can't believe Peter, you know, he's walking on the water and took his eyes off. What a dummy, and he sank. I think we should commend Peter for getting out of the boat at least. Right? How many times have you stayed in the boat? Me stayed in the boat when God said, "Pray for that person." Oh, that person don't even know me, Lord. Lord, I look like a dummy, Lord. What if nothing happens? Right? How many times have you stayed in the boat? It's easy to give somebody a hundred dollar bill. That's no, there's no, there's no connection there. Here, bless you, brother. But the grover say, "Here, bless you," but let me help you get out of that wheelchair. That's a different animal, right? Because why? You have a solution for poverty. You don't know what the heck to do with the wheelchair. That's beyond your capability. That's where faith and real worship has to come into place. That's where real we'll trust. You need to step back a minute and just say, do you mind, give me a couple of minutes. I'm going to go over here and have a little worship session and I'll be back. We need to slow down. We need to stop functioning like we've got this thing nailed and be so dependent on the Holy Spirit that we start taking time to say, okay, what are you saying, Holy Spirit? Do I need to punch this guy in the stomach? That's a whole other level. I'm telling you, Smith was at a whole other level. And here's Peter. I love this story. For some reason he's tuned into something else there's something he's seeing that nobody else in the boat is seeing there's something that peter's hearing that nobody else is hearing why it's a focus issue Everybody else is looking at all this, and Peter just sees Jesus. An issue of worship. An issue of focus. Can you imagine after this empowerment, after this encounter, they're on shore, everybody's like, Whew. Jesus is saying, Hey guys, I'm gonna go over here. You woke me up. I need to get a couple hours' sleep. I got a lot of healing to do tomorrow. Why they're crashed? Everybody's coming over to Peter. Hey Peter, hey man, what made you do it? What was it, Peter? Can you imagine that kind of conversation. That's the kind of conversation I would have with my buddies. If Stephen got and walked on the water after, they'd be like, "Hey Stephen, well, what, what the heck? What's going on?" And I can almost hear Peter say, I don't know. All I know is that in the chaos, when I looked at him, I heard a different sound. When I got focused on him, the waves, at first it threw me. I looked at the waves and I was looking what everybody else was looking at. But when I lifted my head in a different direction, I've been on ships. You know how hard it is to hear somebody talk in the middle of a storm? You're literally yelling. For me to know, you're yelling at each other. Tie down. I mean, you're yelling. To people to get ready. We used to lose people over, uh, overboard all the time. Young guys that thought, I don't have to tie down. You better tie down. You'll be swept overboard. And Peter said, I heard something different. I heard his voice. And I heard it like I'd never heard it before. And it did something to me internally. I think Peter's was so focused on worship. I don't know if he even realized he got out of the boat. I think he just wanted to be where Jesus was. It's called focus. we have to get to the place where we just want to be where the Holy Spirit is. We just want to be with the Holy Spirit. We just want to do life in him and from him. Worship is not just to someone. To him in the Bible means breath to breath, face to face. But it's also in him. That means a constant state of being in worship. I love Peter's heart. Here's what he said. You know what? It was so simplistic, guys. He's telling all his friendly brother to say, it was so simplistic. All he had to do was say one word, and I was in. All he had to do was say, come, and I was in. Huh? Have you read this story? You doubt it's about worship? You read the story, Jesus rebuked them for their little faith. And the next verse, verse 33, it says, and the disciples came before him and bowed down and worshiped him. Why? Because your faith and your worship are directly connected. To not worship in your storm is to weaken the exercise of your faith. Can you imagine having an encounter just because you're in worship and gratitude where Jesus shows up and he says the most simplest thing. You're you're not having six people come up and say, got a word for you, brother. And that's all, all, listen, I'm okay with all that. I'm just saying that time of dependency from somebody else for your own spiritual encounter has to come back to just individual encounters with the Godhead. I love all that stuff. We're going to be flowing, we are flowing in all that stuff. We, we've had healings here, deliverances here. We've, prophetic is here, prophecy is here. We, we've got a prophet in our house. We've got, we've got all the things we feel like the word tells us to have in place. But what truly empowers that is a body that says, man, I was worshiping and I heard his voice like I never heard it before. And what everybody else would say would be impossible in that moment became possible for me. And experiencing that possibility gave me a whole different view of the nature and the heart and the Father and the one I serve and come to love. And it's inspired me. Remember when Peter is sitting around. Jesus came back from the dead, and he says to Peter, "Do you love me, Peter?" Lord, I love you. Hey, Peter, do you love me? It'd be like us having a conversation. Me looking over at Chad, going, "Hey, you love me, Chad? I'm not sure yet. Do you love me, Chad? Yeah, I love you, Pastor. Right? Was Peter? Was Jesus defining that Peter maybe didn't love him? Or is Jesus just recalling Peter to a place of saying, "I know you love me, Peter. Return to that first love if it's not there. Remember the love that you cut you out of the boat? Remember the worship that cut you out of that place? Remember the, the simplistic agreement, the focus of me? Get back to that place, Peter. I've got great plans for you. Don't worry about how that guy's dying. Don't worry about it, Peter. Forget that. Do you love me? That's the sum of your life. That's the call of who you are. That is worship. The purity of worship is your engagement. Worship has to be way more than what we just do here on Sunday. You know, a lot of people... Talk about, you know, I I was a worship leader for many years. And um, that wasn't because I necessarily believe I was called to be a worship leader. I was a worship leader because I feel like when I first got saved, I instantly became a worshiper. Talent does not necessarily qualify you to be a leader of worship. I mean, you need to sing. Nobody wants to let somebody sing off key. Ah, yeah. You know, it's kind of like, you know, the Grinch and watching them stand in a circle. You know what I mean? Let's be realistic. If you got a gift, you got, you got a gift, right? But at the same time, that doesn't necessarily qualify you to be a worship leader. What really qualifies a worship leader is the ability to actually worship, to say, I sacrifice it all. All that stuff I had as my priority. It's still a part of my life, but you're my priority. Now all this other stuff that I struggle with and priority to manage has become a breeze and it's being blessed beyond measure. Go ahead and stand. You okay? Let me, let me give you the key. Um, so worship is a language, right? the language let me give you let me give you the language of worship and then we'll pray we're gonna we're gonna come around the altar I hope you're not in a hurry we're gonna hang out and just receive and pray for some people and some needs and stuff like that um, let me give you the true language uh, of worship you ready this is the true language of worship this is when you know you have an established worship life an established identity you ready second Corinthians 1 and 20 for all of God's promises find their yes of fulfillment in him and as his yes and our amen ascend to God we bring him glory yes to what come how simple could it be I used to. I complain about getting up at four o'clock. It's just been something that's happening in my life. Just you know, I've never been a sleeper, and so I started labeling that. You ever do that? You have a problem, so you start labeling it. Oh, I'm having this going on, and this going on, and this going on, and this. My own personal life. Got insomnia. I can't sleep. And, blah, 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 blah. and uh, I got up one morning, four o'clock. woke up. I go in the living room. sit down on the sofa for a bit. I'm going to get me a, you know, one of those put you to sleep teas. You know, not the marijuana ones, but the other ones, you know, with the lavender and stuff in it, you know. So I got me a, you know, a lavender tea. And I'm sitting, I'm sitting on the sofa. and, And the Lord says, Holy Spirit says, hey, good to see you. I said, hey. He said, you know, this whole time, it's been me waking you up, right? I'm trying to remove all the distractions of your day. And then, listen, this has nothing to do. My four o'clock moments are not about this. Uh, I'm not looking for revelations for sermons. I'm looking to live according to the new guy. I'm looking to carry something that not only changes my environment, not only changes my atmosphere, that changes every atmosphere I walk in and out of. Not so that I can be a pastor out there, but that I can be a son out there and carry my identity. That when I walk into an atmosphere, I've been with my Savior. And it's hard to distinguish me from him. Where I live in him, I move in him. I have my identity in him. It's hard to distinguish who's who because I am so involved in worship. So now when I wake up, I just go, hey, I'll be in in a minute. Son, You know, I love it when conversation with the Lord goes from, how you doing, Jamie, to, okay, son. I'm waiting on you, son. There's such an awakening that's happening in our community right now. And listen, when you start to elevate your worship and you started to put it in the place of your priority here's what happens watch this he just shows up in all the negative things that you normally as a part of your language shifts just into yes and amen all the negativity leaves and all the things that you could say jesus just goes peace be still I, I was hoping, I got this. Father, I thought I'd be here by now. I got this. I thought maybe, like we just take a moment and uh, Braden's gonna lead us in some, a little bit of worship and you could just stay as long as you want, as short as you want. If you got a phone, if you got a notepad, if you got whatever you got, I just thought it would be fun if we just came and just kind of um, gave ourselves in a fresh way, I, and I know it's, it's not that you're not there, it's not that he's not there. I, I just really believe that there's an awakening of our inner man that he's calling us into. Let, let me say this once again, there's no transformation without presence. Worship is your quickest way into presence. David said, I enter his gates with praise and his courts with thanksgiving. Now listen to this. What was David saying? Did I just go? It's twofold. David was saying, I'm invited into this presence where I can actually sit and commune with the God of the universe. Think how powerful that is. My gosh. For him to send you a person, personally, to live inside you, to guide you through every storm, give you the answer to every situation and transform you at every level to live totally different than what the world defines as we should be living. There's no greater invitation. And well, I'm going to get the staff to come up. Staff, come up. Come on, give me somebody over here, Brian. You come over here. We're gonna we're gonna get in worship with you. We're gonna be in worship with you. Come up, darling. We're gonna be in worship with you, but tonight we're we're gonna minister. We're gonna minister to you, and we're just gonna be. We're just going to be asking who we need to pray for. We're not, you know, we could just pray for everybody, but I think it's important that we just kind of feel out what the Holy Spirit wants us to kind of speak into your life and pray over you tonight. And um, and we'll pray for needs. We'll pray for where you're at, whatever that that looks like. But um, don't miss the invitation. We may be here till 4 o'clock. I don't know. My question is, is that okay? If intimate encounter goes beyond your definition of what it looks like, is that okay? We gotta make our mind up church. What's worship look like for us? Is it an hour, three hours, four hours? What if it's fine, is that okay? Revelation is flowing from a speaker, and he's leading you into a place. And it's two hours in. Is that okay? Or that's not our culture. We're not a culture here. We're a company. We're a family that eats together and goes to war together, spiritually. Right. So just come on, come on, gather. Let's get around here. I know it's who's gonna be first, who's gonna be first, come close. Let let me just say this to you tonight. For those of you that have children, this is such an incredible place for your kids to be. Not because I'm speaking, but because of the presence that resides in this house right now, watching these kids be in worship. There is seed being planted, literally, that our, our, our highest platform is becoming their ceiling. They're not going to have to revisit what we revisit. They're not going to have to go through this transformation that we've had to go through with religion, all the stuff that we've been given that's just, you know, plugged every kind of artery in us spiritually. We're getting rid of it, but your children... They're just going to walk in it. What a place to be, right? You just close your eyes. You worship how you want. You lay on the floor. Lift your hands. You're going to dance. Get out in a little place where there's a little more room so you're not bumping into anybody. But I just want you to open your heart and your mind up to the Holy Spirit. To speak your love in this room your presence your kindness your goodness your mercy your grace God let there be a focus shift in this room right now not on what we're facing not on what's happening around the world not the government nothing a focus shift where we become focused on you Let us hear your voice say, come to us tonight. Let peace be implanted in us. Let the storm cease. Let the miracle that happened happened in the storm happens in our life tonight. Let us leave transformed, empowered, hungry, stirred to a different place of intimacy we've ever been. Let there be a new level of worship we rise into tonight that we come in here, we don't need to be led. We just jump right in, Father, because we are so excited about who you are. We don't worship you because of the possibility of anything. We just simply worship you because of who you are.